Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our summary verses of the books of the Bible introduce us to the theme of each book of the Old and New Testament scriptures so that we might have a deeper appreciation and understanding of God's Word of Truth. We pray that these brief studies will enable you to get more out of your daily reading and hearing of God's Holy Word. Welcome back to Burden and Blessing and our 66 summary verses of the Bible. We have been working through the New Testament and we have started now a smaller section, what we call the prison letters of the Apostle Paul. Last time we considered Colossians and Paul's letter to Philemon. Another one of the letters of Paul that falls into the same category is Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Now, the Ephesian letter was sent to a congregation in Ephesus out of what would be today Turkey. And it was an extremely important church in the early New Testament era. The Apostle Paul journeyed there on his second and at the end of his third missionary journey, visiting the elders there, encouraging them, and spent two years working among this group of believers. And so this was an important group. It would serve as an important group in the future as well. And Paul had a lot to tell them and to encourage them in the work that was before them. So joining me to go through this letter of Paul to the Ephesians is once again, Pastor Neil Radical. Neil, glad to have you with us in our continuing study of the scriptures. Thank you, Nathaniel. Glad to be with you here today. We're looking from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory. It's nice that the Bible reveals to us who Jesus is. And so that we don't have to wonder who this wonderful person is. This is the incarnate son of God. This is our triune God who does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. It's hard to even read. It's hard to even say. But I love about that verse. It's one of my favorite verses. You can hear me say that a ton of times because it uses two adverbs in a row. We don't generally do that, but you look at the rest of scripture and the Lord does that a lot. In Isaiah, we talk about wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, in the New Testament, we give all these different names of Jesus, the, the I Am's, the, the the Good Shepherd. You know, you talk about all these names of God, these adverbs of talking about who he is. And Paul's writing to the Ephesians, this circuit letter in those congregations in Asia Minor there, to remind them the God that they love and serve, so that they don't forget who they love. They don't forget the one as Paul goes on in all this wonderful exhortations. This is such a thick doctrinal book you know we talked about romans not too long ago about how it centers on justification and it focuses on justification sanctification this letter to ephesians really touches on a number of different doctrines so you have this diversity of doctrine among again he speaks about redemption as every epistle does the redemption that we find in christ talks about predestination and in Ephesians chapter ones and dives into the the depths of what joy we have in god foreknowing those who would uh, rejoice in his salvation the roles of Christians, you know, the personal applications, a very good applicable section in, in that number of sections there. The unity that God calls for in his church, as is in Ephesians 4, among the holy Christian church and visible churches today. The use of gifts, how we use the gifts that God has given us. You know, forgiveness is demonstrated in Ephesians 4. The old man, the new man, putting off the old, putting on the new. The behavior towards other Christians. 
you know, when it comes to relationships of employers and employees, when it comes to fathers and children, when it comes to the relationship between fellow Christians, all of it's in there. The bride of the bridegroom, Christ and his church, very clearly described for a marriage, for good relationships there in Ephesians 5. The armor of God, Ephesians 6, over and over again, how to boldly confess your faith with confidence in Christ. And so this verse really does emphasize, you know, you could pick a lot of good summary verses for this whole letter. What I think is that this verse so well summarizes because it shows God's instruction to us in righteousness, his love for us, what he's willing to do, the teachings about God, the teaching about how we work as Christians together. And again, it points to him, our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us these teachings and does in all these relationships, all these different teachings, exceedingly abundantly more in that grace and mercy that is given to us. More than we could ever ask or think. He gives way more wisdom and knowledge that we could ever possibly ask for according to that power of faith that's been worked in us through the Holy Spirit. And that's why we give him glory with our lives. I got to stop talking. It's your turn. <laughs> well, you're right, Neil. This, this verse, it, it emphasizes what God is capable of, doesn't it? And that is one of the most beautiful things about this. It comes right in the middle of Paul's letter. And there's kind of a dividing point right there. You talked about, the fact that it emphasizes redemption, all that God has done for us. The first three chapters all talk about everything that we have to be thankful for, everything that God has already done for us. We have those familiar verses, for by grace you have been saved in chapter two, the redemption that is ours in Christ. And, and at the, as he summarizes that, he says, God is able to do above and beyond anything and everything that we can even imagine. That's my uh, layman's <laughs> That's my NIV version of, of this, this text, uh, you know, to, to just kind of break it down. But once he summarizes everything that God has done for us in the first three chapters, as you pointed out, then in the next three chapters, he talks about what this means in our Christian lives and how this carries out in the opportunities that the Lord gives to us in our relationship with our husband or wife, with our children or our parents, with our employer or our employee. And so he emphasizes then the role of Christian sanctification, the ongoing work that God continues to do. He didn't stop when he, when he redeemed us on the cross. The work of God, which is over and above everything else in this life, he continues to do in our lives after our redemption in our interactions with one another as we glorify him. And this, this letter, this entire letter is such a beautiful thing. And then to remember, Neil, he wrote this when he was in prison. There he is. And yet he rejoices and he remembers that the Lord still gives us those opportunities. They're all around us. His redemption doesn't end when we get thrown into prison. And the opportunities that he gives us don't end if we get thrown into prison. Those opportunities are new to us every, every day. Totally agree. If you listen to the 66 summaries that we have of the Bible, there's probably certain days that we sound more excited than other days. I think it's important to remember that what we can learn from Paul, from Ephesians, and the next letter with the Philippians is that even when you or I are having those bad days, we're not as excited about what we're doing as Christians, you know, maybe whether it be the podcast or anything else, you know, that's the, that's the joy of reading letters like this is that no matter what circumstances that we are facing, we can find joy in Christ. That's one of Paul's main exam, examples there. 
I did leave out, you know, chapter two there, Ephesians, which is the whole doctrine of conversion, God making us alive in Christ. And the hymn that I want to read, the four verses from the hymn I want to read in closing today, really emphasizes that point of the grace that's been given to us through Jesus' death on the cross, like you pointed out so well, but also the grace of faith itself and how it rests on that, again, abundant, exceedingly abundant grace that we've been given as well through our Savior. So I'm reading from the Lutheran hymnal, 373, By Grace I'm Saved. I'm reading verses 1, 4, 5, and 7. By grace I'm saved, grace-free and boundless. My soul, believe and doubt it not. Why stagger at this word of promise? Has scripture ever falsehood taught? Nay, then this word must true remain. By grace thou too shalt heaven obtain. By grace God's Son, our only Savior, came down to earth to bear our sin. Was it because of thine own merit that Jesus died thy soul to win? Nay, it was grace and grace alone that brought him from his heavenly throne. By grace, this ground of faith is certain. So long as God is true, it stands. What saints have penned by inspiration, what in his word our God commands, what our whole faith must rest upon is grace alone, grace in his son. By grace on this I'll rest when dying. In Jesus' promise I rejoice. For though I know my heart's condition, I also know my Savior's voice. My heart is glad. All grief has flown. Since I am saved by grace alone. Amen. We invite you to listen for new books each week on Burden and Blessing Podcast, where we believe and confess that every word of God is true. We pray that you will be assured that God's word is pure and is more precious than gold.